0: I just thought about it and it dawned on me that that was the thing that was absolutely just put me in the darkest, darkest hole. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't, you know, I had a bigger purpose. I don't have a clue what that purpose is yet, but I just know that it's not supposed to wither away in a drug abuse problem. I woke up the next day and hanging out for a little bit and he's got the whole countertop chalked up and he goes, line us up some, some fatties, you know, go ahead and help yourself. And I said, I think I'm done.
1: This is Katie, and I'm Laura, and welcome to the Radical Resilience Podcast. Katie. Yes?
2: How did you sleep last night?
1: I need to know. Oh, so I don't know if this is good to admit or not as a... Grown adult, but I washed the comforter and I washed, which is hard because it's down, so it's like extra work. And I washed the mattress pad and the sheets and stuff. And then I got so tired that I didn't want to make the bed. So I just burritoed into the clean comforter and didn't do anything else. And I only put on one pillowcase for the one pillow I used. And I went to bed like that and I woke up like that. So I don't know if that brings disappointment to people, but I slept super cozy and really nice, clean comforter. And I just didn't have it in me. It just it felt like <laughs> I hate because I never can get that fourth corner on And Then it always pops off on a different corner and I can't, and It drives me crazy. And I just and I just need to get new sheets. But they're like they're just so dang expensive at the thread count I want. It was so much easier when like your parents just provided sheets. I didn't know about all these extra. I didn't know the cost of sheets also, first of all, but. So when I do it, I get stressed out because the fourth corner keeps popping every single time. So I've just I left it as it was. And that's how it was. And I I slept great. It didn't bother me at all. If I saw a spider, I'd want to burn the house down. But sleeping in a burrito comforter, perfect.
2: I need to just express for a minute a deep appreciation for the fact that you put a pillowcase on the pillow. That like Oh, I can't touch <laughs> it. There was without. a line. Yeah, yeah. There was a line for you. <laughs> I feel like I have the same line. That's my same line right there. I was like, that pillowcase needs to be
1: on the pillow. Otherwise, sleep is not happening. Were you cringing till I got to that part? Yeah, I was a little
2: concerned. I was like, so where are we going with this? Like, did your head touch the actual pillow? But then you were like, and I put the pillowcase on and I immediately relaxed into your like deep sleep story.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad we had it was like it took you on a wild journey and you didn't know like a choose your own adventure book But then it went the right direction.
2: It did I was like i'm all on board I have done that as well if it makes you feel any better about adulting. I have uh, i've done that same thing How did I sleep? I wait you've you've not made the bed sometimes and let me tell you another story Uh to make you feel even better about that Sometimes so my least favorite household chore is full folding laundry and putting it away. And so sometimes I will have just left the laundry on the bed because I feel like that's going to prompt me to fold it and put it away. If I like just leave it all over the bed. It doesn't. You lay on it.
1: So I don't lay on it. But what I. Oh, it's a, it's like a body massage. You should. I roll and I'm like, it's pushing. It's pushing the right way. I'll give it a try sometime. But like I will
2: I will swipe it back into the laundry basket where it came from. And like just have like a huge, like falling out pile on the floor of clean laundry. But where, but where I was going with it was. That Josh, like when Josh is really tired and I have left laundry all over the bed, he just like gets underneath it, the like he'll like just he just like pushes everything over onto my side and then goes to sleep anyway. and I'll come in and he's like it looks like he's in bed with another person, but it's just all of my clothes. <laughs> and and then his other war is with our decorative pillows. He is like very against the number of pillows on our bed, but rather than put them on the floor, to sleep it, he just puts them all on my side. So I come back to like a pile of pillows, all of my laundry, and then I have to move it to the to the floor and then, and then go to bed because I like to have the clean like nothing on the bed to sleep. So
1: <laughs> I'm gonna challenge you to try sleeping on top of it because it is it's like a massage. It's it gets and it's like it's like a holistic massage because it go like you're not expecting and it, it's more like the universe knows what you need.
2: I you know what I will have to be I will have. Don't tell Josh I suggested it. (laughs) He wouldn't even notice he is dead to the world by the time that that option becomes available. But what I will say is now that we live that pandemic life, I will have to be intentional about when I do it because I would not want to like I feel like I would need to have showered recently before laying on the clean clothes because then I'm going to have to do laundry again. Yep. So it's got to be. Like I don't know where this conversation is going. I slept. I don't even remember how I slept last night. Not enough, but had a great day. Still going. Like I'm here. I really, really am more, much more invested in this conversation about laundry than I was about sleep last night. So (laughs) we found
1: what we needed to talk about.
2: We did. We got there, and I feel like that is a great place to leave it. Where we're gonna, we're gonna bring on a a, an awesome guest who (laughs) I can tell has some investment in the laundry and sleeping process, but, <laughs> but we are going to take a break. We're going to tell you about some totally rad projects that you can get involved in with us today, right now. You're going to love it. We're going to love having you on board with us. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to introduce you
1: to Joe. Life is always happening. nonstop, Every moment, things either feel as if they're coming together or they're falling apart. When you're on this wild ride, the falling apart moments can feel like the end of who you are. But with the proper skill set, these circumstances that break us down become the moments that awaken us, build our strength, and cause us to grow. To prepare your skill set, I created the Revolutionary Resiliency Course, challenging yourself to go within, dig deeper, make discoveries, and learn while being guided through the exercises and soul work. Together, we will build resilience that is not just radical, but revolutionary. Visit our website, RadicalResiliencePodcast.com to get started. I love you and I'll see you there.
2: Joe Fettig, retired collegiate track athlete, loses his identity and the dark road that ensued from not having a vision or a feeling of purpose in this world led him on this journey. Here is...
1: Joe, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I love the energy you two bring. That is definitely the first thing I noticed.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for you to be here. And I'm so excited to ta- have you talk to all the listeners and have Laura get to know you. I adore you. We've known each other since 2017. I just realized our our um, anniversary because Facebook told me. But I'm, I seriously am really excited. And just even from the simple bio you sent over, I was like, oh, I don't even know. There's a lot I don't know about him which was two sentences. And I didn't even know that you had been an athlete. So I'm ready for this interview.
2: Well, we're going to open with the question that we have all of our listeners answer. And it is in reference to the title of our podcast, which is Radical Resilience. And uh, it's the sort of merging of two projects that Katie and I have had going on now for a while. And Katie is clearly the queen of resilience. And I, I bring the, the radical... Although when we put the two words together, it really landed for us, I think, about what our stories are and, um, and the stories that of the people that come on the podcast. And I think that radical has lots of different layers and lots of different meanings, depending on who you are and how you practice being radical. Um, and then resilience is also a thing that we all come to in our own way. So if you could just share with our listeners how the words radical and resilience play a role in your life, particularly when you mash them together, what comes up for you?
0: Radical resilience. Well, radical to me, just to take that first word on means taking a big approach at something, not just dabbling a little bit, stepping in, testing it out. Radical means I'm all in. And the resilience aspect, I absolutely love that word. And I, uh, I read a book by a mentor of mine that was called Resilient not too long ago. And resilience is really just overcoming, understanding that your past does not define your future, but it's your story. And that's where you're at. That's who's made you who you are. And I believe somebody's story is how we connect, how we relate to different people in this world. Because you know what? This year has been very, very challenging for a lot of people, I'm sure. And it's been dark for a lot of people, right? And resilience is basically the way we overcome it. To say, hey, I I reached the top of the mountain. And you said, you know, obviously, Katie on here and getting to know you a little bit too, the, the epitome of resilience, seeing somebody that has these scars, that has these wounds, but it exposes them and doesn't care about the judgment and says, this is what's happened to me, but this is who I am now. I would love for you to to know my story and you know what if it can save one person that's what resilience to me means.
2: I love it. So, tell us your story because I don't know you at all. Katie, do you have a
1: particular <laughs> starting point that you want? Uh well, so just because of what you had sent over for your for your intro and stuff the college athlete and all of that, I know that there's often so uh, such a strong connection between like being what we what we poured our heart and soul into being everything that we did, you know, and, and that you, I wasn't a college athlete, but I heard a lot about that. And I was very connected to my career as a performer before I had to drop everything for health. So what was, I'm just curious what you did and what that looked like and how much of your life like had become where that was your identity or that was your, uh, you know, just your go-to if they were like, who tell me about you, you immediately were just, that's who you were.
0: Yeah. So, and and the reason that really came up and that part of my story is, A period of my life right now and losing my identity I feel we all have our own story right we all compete in some form whether it's in theater and stuff like you've done or I've competed in athletics and I was always uh an athlete not much of a student I didn't take school very seriously hence why when I competed through high school and through collegiate track I was used to winning, used to being at the top, used to you know getting that rise, that energy, that feeling of competing and winning and working towards something. But I did not take the studies and the aspect of my vision of what I wanted to do after school or any point of my life, what I wanted to do with it. And it was just a blank spot. So as soon as I retired from collegiate track, I really felt like I lost my identity. I felt like I didn't have anything to compete in. I didn't feel like I had a direction. I lost everything. And it was just kind of something that flowed ever since I was a kid. Then all of a sudden it shut down. And the part of that where I lost my way was when you don't have a vision, you don't know what you want to do. You listen to other people or you go to the things that you're used to, right? And you obviously, Katie, you know a little bit more about my story and you met me at a point, my turning point in life. Before that, I had spent probably nine solid years of doing jobs, doing things that did not serve me. Dug myself in some financial debt, and I wore a mask and pretended like I was completely fine, happy, all that stuff. And it wasn't. But gosh, it was about nine years after I graduated college. I was on the road, five, six days a week, sleeping in cheap hotels, doing a, a sales job, and was pretending to be fine, but was completely unfine. Was extremely depressed. Many, many thoughts of suicide, but I had a friend that had committed suicide a couple of years prior to my thoughts. And I saw the damage and the pain that caused me and caused all the people around. And that's the thought that stuck in my head. It wasn't like, you know what, I don't really want to be alive anymore. How is this going to damage the people that I leave behind? Because I know there's people out there that care deeply about me, even though I might not at the time. And that was the point where it really just shifted. And I was back in my hometown, hadn't seen a a friend of mine for about five years. And I sold him some insurance and he stared at me afterwards and kind of a little uncomfortable, but I was just like, what's going on? And I didn't know he'd been doing some work too. And he just looked me square in the eyes and said, you don't seem like you're, you're very happy and fulfilled in life. And what are you talking about? You know? And I knew what he meant. He saw it. He was the first person that just said it we fast forward and he took a stand for me that day. And that was honestly the day that that shifted everything for me. And, you know, fast forward, like you said, we met in 2017. Here we are three and a half, almost four years later. And a lot has changed.
1: So I feel like we had met at a personal development, personal growth um, seminar and workshop. And I felt like, did you also fall into using substances and stuff to get through? Yeah, you did. Okay. I wasn't sure if I remember the right thing. Cause was that part of something in your life? before when you were an athlete or was it once you lost that identity?
0: Yeah. Great question. So I'll, uh, I'll put this whole thing into perspective, but grew up in a small town, somewhat rebellious, but the jock had all fun. Got introduced to partying and drugs when I was 16, 17 years old. Uh, my, my drug of choice that I really got into was cocaine and uh, I used it all through college here and there, just kind of a party thing like that. Obviously smoked the weed done everything, but put a needle in my arm when it comes to drugs and people see the clean cut facade on here. So it was pretty easy to hide. When I say I like to compete and I was good at things, I was also good at partying and doing things. and I had a high tolerance. So I kind of took that and wore it as a, a pride patch, but I carried that on. So when I lost my identity with competing in sports, I really didn't have a vision of where I wanted to go, but I did carry along the traits that I had developed through high school and through college. And in the place I was living at the time, Denver, Colorado, it became a point where all the people I hung out with were all the successful people were partying and doing drugs all the time. And the other people I would associate with were content and complained about life. And it just didn't really have a happy medium in there. And then I stumbled across a delivery service and I had, they had a cocaine delivery service. And I literally within 10 minutes could message a number and have it delivered to my place. And most people wake up with a cup of coffee and do sales calls. I woke up and didn't really realize it was a bad habit, but I was a daily cocaine user. And you talked about, my, we met at a personal development event. And my friend that took a stand from me, invited me to it. He invited me, but he pushed me. He pushed me. He pushed me there and said, come, it'll change your life. Uh, how the heck is it going to change my life? Sure, whatever. Started turning the wheels like, ah, I need to go. I feel a pull. I don't know exactly what this is. I grew up catholic or whatever it's you know a religion thing but i hadn't gone to church other than christmas when i was with family for probably eight years and you know i have a a good connection with god now and whatever anybody's intentions are it's you know i don't push that on people but i went to this event and i didn't know what to expect but i read a little caption of what we're supposed to do and expect and it said on day three there's going to be a segment where you have a symbol of something that served your past life but no longer serves you moving forward and I stood on this for weeks. I had no idea what the hell this was. And I flew into Palm desert Palm Springs two days prior to this event. Cause I had a friend living there. We'll keep names array for that. But I flew in there and I was doing some work and he's like, Hey, I gotta go run some errands. I'll be back. Well, he comes back and throws a couple balls of cocaine on the table. And there I was two days before going to an event, ripping lines of cocaine, just two people sitting around, no absolute purpose. And that night, as I could sleep and just stewed in my thoughts, I I just thought about it, and it dawned on me that that was the thing that was absolutely just put me in the darkest, darkest hole. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't, you know, I had a bigger purpose. I don't have a clue what that purpose is yet, but I just know that it's not supposed to wither away in a drug abuse problem. And I woke up the next day and hanging out for a little bit, and he's got the whole countertop chalked up, and he goes, "Line us up, some some fatties, you know. Go ahead, and help yourself." And I said, "I think I'm done." And that was March 3rd, 2017. And the day before was the last day, well, March March 4th. So March 3rd, I was blowing lines. March 4th, I just said, I'm done. And I haven't touched the stuff since March 3rd. But we went to that event and on that third day, it dawned on me and my sponsor at the event kept saying, there's something you're holding back, there's something you're holding back. And that was it. And she nudged me and she says, share that. And so my boss is at the event at the time, which is my friend and three other people from my hometown. And yeah, I stood up in front of 96 people, declared that I had a problem, and my sobriety, and that was that. And then called my parents the next morning and told them to hold me accountable, and I had issues, and they gave me all the love and support that I I was nervous as hell, but it's been it's been magic ever since. So that was the turning point.
2: If I go back to your description of radical, all in, like going big, and then resilience, that moving forward, you know, overcoming. And then I, and then I put that against the backdrop of like this, this place that you were in, like, even when it was the dark place, you were like all in. And then in the moment of your awakening, it wasn't like, oh, like maybe, maybe I'll quit. Like it was like all in. (laughs) I like, that is, that is standing out for me, in this like unfolding of your story, so you have this transformational moment, and you're moving into the other side. What did that look like? Was that as radical of a shift, or was it more of a process for you of then finding this this sense of purpose? like, uh, you know, seeking seeking this new side of how things are going to be?
0: Well, I would love to tell you that it was just all sunshine and rainbows from that moment I left. And to be honest with you, we had a fourth day and that fourth day, I've never felt so light and pure. I can't ever recall a day that I just felt so like just whole, but light and and it was great. And then the event started to come to a close. And after hearing all these stories, I'm talking 90 plus people. And I'm just like, holy cow, these people have been through so much, like, wow, being so vulnerable and open. And I'm thinking my story is nothing fast forward three and a half years, four years later now, I, I honestly, ha- I, I can honestly say I've shifted people's life. I I have people reach out to me and, and for help and support and how oh, I've helped them, but it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I was in a dark place with the drug abuse, sleeping in the cheap hotels all alone. And I'm a per- people person, but the next three, four months of my life were mm-hmm. probably the most difficult saying mm-hmm. that you're done with something and all the people you associate with, associate with these things and having to Push myself away from him, all those different things and all those people, and say, Hey, I'm done with this. And 95% of them are just like, Okay, this will be a week or two, you know, thing. It was definitely the most lonely part of my life. I, I sat in my thoughts so freaking much. I wanted to cave and just give in and go back to that vice that I had, but I made a commitment. And if you were there, and the instructor, and the people, and the environment, and those people that I stared in the eyes that day, they were just, they still burn in my mind. And that was the switch for me. I was just like, this isn't about me. I need to do it for them. My word's my word. I still struggle with things right now. Uh, straightforward, honest, it's not just easy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I went through a very, very lonely period. And then I ran into, uh, figuring out a little bit of what my purpose is and my passions are. And I got tapped into another community and culture. And ever since that day, things just keep getting better and better.
1: I'm asking this, and just because of what Laura had just pointed out. So your pattern of like all in, obviously at a certain point, it wasn't healthy. Like it was more like it controlled you versus you controlled it. I know that I have like a pattern with with humor and just like the quirkiness and stuff like that. Uh, First of all, just who I am. But there was a point in my life where it controlled me. And so I know what you're in now, like you're in health and fitness and you do a lot of stuff like that. And um, obviously, you know, we're good friends and we talk. And so I see a lot of what you're doing for the world. And you, I now that Laura said that, I was like, oh, he went all in on that too. But do you think there's a point where, so like, yes, you could look at it and you can tell me if I'm totally wrong, but you could look at it as an outsider, that the pattern is still there, that it continued. But is it a, a, Is it kind of like how I did where I'm not putting on a mask and being the funny girl. So everyone's laughing all the time and I'm not acknowledging my stuff. You said earlier when you said like exposing, um, you know, exposing your story and exposing your truth and putting all that out there. Is there a point where the pattern might still be there, but now you have control over that pattern? Do you do you resonate with any of that?
0: Um, The pattern of just being all in on whatever it is.
1: Yeah, because watching your fitness journey and I mean, from an outside perspective, it looks like Joe's all in. He's all in, in this business, he's all in, in this, you know, his, his body and his transformation, stuff like that. And I didn't know all of this that you just shared now. So I didn't see it as that pattern, but if it is a pattern or, you know, like if that, do you think there's with your resiliency with stuff, do you think there's a a relationship shift to that?
0: I don't think there's a relationship shift. Maybe I'm not answering this correctly. I'm still all in. I I find, I think it's just part of my DNA, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I just know the things that aren't serving who I want to become. I, I, I take note of those and I say, is this going to serve me? Do I still make mistakes? Absolutely. You know, I got rid of that drug, whatever that got me. But do I have vices and things that I say, man, oh, I need to get rid of this. Oh, I just need to get. Yeah. You know, when you beat yourself up. Um, but I am an all in kind of person. And I, I feel the whole radical spot, right? If you dip your toes and things like that, you can't expect incredible results, whether it's you know, you're going all in on something that just destroys your life. Or if you're going all in on something like this, where you two are blessing people and sharing stories of resilience and people need to hear this stuff, right? Where I used to think my story didn't mean anything. I know there's people out there probably listening to this that are just like, wow, okay, cool. Maybe there is hope for me. And, you know, if I can shed just a little bit of hope knowing that, hey, you can shift your all in from something that isn't serving you to a shift of something that totally master of you. Lock arms with a couple people. Lock arms with the two of you here. Lock arms with people. Find some people that make you smile more than they make you worry. And, and you know, people have blessed me. People have put me in the right direction. Just people have connected me with others. you got to meet so-and-so. And when people I know, love, and trust now, and they say, you have to meet somebody, I don't even question it. I'm just saying, absolutely. I have no idea what the point of this is, but something magical is going to come of it. And you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, I'm all in on people that I, that I love and trust.
2: The phrase that keeps r- running through my head as you're speaking is like, it's like the it's like our superpowers, right? You know, in a superhero movie, the, su- the superhero's powers can make or break them. It can be like they're great. It's like the double-edged sword, right? It's your greatest advantage. It's also your greatest weakness. And the power lies in, and like, and I think the resilience lies in being able to recognize which direction your superpower is taking you in a given moment. And so I would be really curious now looking, looking at this transformation that you've experienced in the last three years of your superpower sort of shifting itself for good, right? And shifting itself in a direction that is, is really you said it much better than I'm going to, to recreate it right now, but like where it it is, it is aligning you with people who continue to move you forward. Um, it's aligning you with purpose. It's aligning you with, with things that, that, are associated with lightness and, and energy instead of the dark place. Right. So you have now this, this ability, you've discovered this ability to, to discern which direction the superpower can take you. Do you feel like, you know, life is a, you've mentioned though, that it's hasn't been all sunshine and roses. It hasn't been all light. There's been bumps in the road. So like, what do you think you have in that, in that super pack of yours, if everything was to shift again like if suddenly you know you found that you didn't have a leg or let you know or your arms were gone and like the picture has to change again what is there for you and what you've uncovered that keeps you in the good place
0: yeah so i still go to dark places um the personal development and the work on myself and being around people that are constantly trying to be better and that has taken the dark moments and allowed me to work on my mindset and I snap out of them much quicker. And I don't take my problems to people necessarily, but I have people that I say, Hey, Hey, are you open for a chat? I don't even say I have some problems I want to talk about. I just, Hey, want to have a chat and just talking to somebody reminds me of how beautiful people are and friendships and all of that. And one thing I think that really, really stands true is just being honest, being vulnerable. I learned this at, at one of the events we were at and people kept speaking truth into me. I see you as this. I see you as this. I see you as this. And I'm like, I don't see any of that. I don't see any of that at all to, I kind of believe that a little bit to holy crap, I'm becoming that. And three and a half, four years ago, we got these little dog takes and I was Mm -hmm. told and I yelled at that I was a confident, honest, and vulnerable leader. And I was like, I am none of those four things, And fast forward, I don't know how people see your future better than you do. But when they see into your eyes, like my friend did that one day, and he saw more in me, they saw it. And I believe, honestly, I'm all four of those things today. Um, I'm grateful for what I have and what I've accomplished. But I am very, very unsatisfied because I know that there's so much more I need to do. Um, Not just for myself, but for this world. So
1: it just makes me like light up so much because I was And I might be making it up, but I I like I didn't know who you were, but I remember at an event, I think it was that same year, but in December. And I feel like you stood up. I feel like they were like spotlighting you for something. And you compared like the amount of cocaine you were doing to like a pizza or something like a Friday night. I don't know if you remember this, but you were like normal people just order a pizza and I would just stay up all night and do like as much that would equal the pizza. Like it was something. And I remember just turning. And so and there's a reason why I'm sharing this is that there's such a. um, like not in that space obviously like we were all sharing and it's it's encouraged and and you had already had the first you know event where it was more scary to share but in life when you share stuff like that there is naturally just from people who have not done the work or who are living in their own shame and stigma and pain um there is judgment and there is a, a lot of just misunderstanding or assumptions when you called your family when you had to reach out to people when you had to cut friends out for healthier, you know, healthier choices and stuff. Those were all choices I imagine, you know, whether intentionally or not, were made to strengthen your resiliency, to strengthen those muscles and get there. Did you experience judgment or anything like that? Um and if you did, how did you do it like how you know to come out and say it? I know that you had a supportive sister. I knew that um right from the get go that she was really, you know, helpful and by your side and stuff, but just for people listening that maybe have that or don't have that or are worried about sharing, because to me, the minute I share what I'm going through, uh, the power is gone. The, it no longer has the power of me. And if you like me or hate me, whatever. But I have been able to like let go of that weight of ten million tons, you know. So
0: yeah, there's judgment, absolutely, and it gets easier almost every single day to harness it. And I just realize now that those that judge are hurting too and they just maybe don't have the people or the men's or know how to get it out. And maybe it's their cry for help. So I I take it as a a welcome and a judgment. Right. And in the same token, I I take it, like I said, a welcome or, or that, you know, and and I say, you know what, Hey, if that's how you see me, that's how you see me. It honestly does not affect me even the slightest anymore. And yes, I, I still have a lot of the same friends, And I've never, ever pointed a finger at or blamed anybody or judged them. I just spend a little bit less time. And I've had many of them, well, do you not like me anymore? Do you not care about me? Like, what's wrong? What what happened? And I was just like, well, I'll be honest with you. I'm doing a lot of work on me. I'm unsatisfied with where I'm at. And I know I'm meant for this world. And I feel like a lot of people are just stuck complaining and settling. And, And, you know, I would love to support you and help you get clear on what it is that you truly want and what your purpose and passions are. And if you're open to it, let's have a conversation. If you're not, yes, I'm going to spend more time with these people that fill my cup up and that see more in me than I I still see. Ones that speak super high, I'm like, wow, that's freaking crazy. You see that in me? Well, now I, I don't totally see it, but I'm going to ride this train with you to figure that out. And it takes time. It's not one of these things where it just happens overnight. You said, you know, I'm an all-in kind of guy and, you know, doing cocaine to pizza. I'm not sure what the analogy was, but... Just to put it in context, yes, I like to win. I like to win. So if somebody's just like, wow, I party really hard. I had friends that'd be like, he'll he'll crush you. And they're like, that little guy. And I'm, yeah. And and I would. And I took pride in it. And now I just flip that all in pride into speaking my truth into other people. I got certified as a coach as well because I love seeing more in people. And you know, we all have those gray spots. And it's so much easier to just say, Go find a better community. Well, if you've been around a certain amount of people the whole time, you don't know anything different. You don't know where to look. And it takes somebody to take a stand in them. So if anybody's listening to this and you just don't know where to go, reach out to these ladies, reach out to me. I mean, I don't. I would be more than happy to have a conversation with anybody. I might not be the right person, but there is hope, there is a way. And I didn't know that I even really had that big of a problem until it just freaking dawned on me.
1: Um, I think one of your biggest like flexes of resiliency as someone who's obsessed with it so like you know I, I seek it in others and i I watch it is your like ripple effect magic there's a time like we were talking and then you're like i gotta hop in a in an uber i think and then after you were like i just um, um the uber girl's going to work with me and i'm going to be coaching her and blah, blah blah like and it's just this when we, when we started the interview today you said if i could just change one person's life and i actually it's it's funny it's one of those sayings that that doesn't trigger me, but I'm always like, no, I'm not willing to change one person's life. Like I am here to make a massive impact on the entire world. I'm not here. One person is nothing that one person is me throwing away my gift. And I feel the same way, obviously, about both of you. But you are someone that I've witnessed like you it's so funny that laura highlighted the all in because now i'm like oh my god everything joe has has been like that is you that's your dna for sure because you you were doing the coaching and then you like were in car do you remember this like then you were in a car with an uber driver then you were then she was your client and it was just like this whole thing but you have been given that gift and you don't waste it it's not like okay i had this i'm gonna stop i'm gonna be quiet with shame that i did it you were just like i had this and I know that it has the ability to change all these lives and to watch you go after it is incredible because it's, it's exhausting. And you, it's taking on a new path in life that literally is like confronting your, your darkness constantly. Not that you, not that it has a hold on you anymore, but it's, you're not away from what taunted you. You're not away from those patterns and stuff. So you're, you're choosing that to better the entire world. And I think that's absolutely incredible for me, community communication, sharing, all that has been like the things that I love the most about resiliency and my greatest tools. And you're someone I think that mirrors a lot with like that with me. Like I talk, so obviously COVID and stuff like that is harder to not, you know, just be around a lot of people hugging it. Joe lets me hug him all the time pre-COVID. I feel like when you say, when people say like, I want to just, if I just help one person, I feel like No, that's that's playing so small. And for you to go all in, it actually like and it's funny that now we ended up in this point of the conversation, because I when you said it, I wanted to be like, that doesn't sound like you just one person. And now it's so fitting that it wouldn't be. And that's why you have created this. Like, I mean, that's why you've created your whole coaching with health and wellness. And you have all this different stuff. And just as someone who lives with chronic illness, I also just want to highlight you used to do something so damaging to your body. And I don't know if you ever saw it as that, but for someone who has fought to be healthy or fought to have something normal go on in their body, to see people do things that are so damaging to their body kills me. Like It's it's so frustrating because I would do anything to be healthy. And then to see that you shifted that. So you shifted making such incredible, incredibly loving and strong choices towards your body. Was there something that made it was it just the mindset work that got you there? Because I know for me, no matter how much work I do, like part of how you say you still make mistakes and still see the darkness, I think we, we all do or we're lying because it's we're humans. For me, every single time I have a trauma or you know a tragedy or something with my body or my illness acts up, it, it, it takes extra work for me to do a loving act to my body. And so when you were in such a routine for so long of doing something negative to your body, did you ever have that connection with your body or, or not at all? And then to shift and do loving things to your body. Just were you, do you have the awareness that someone who lives in a body that doesn't work does, or, or is it totally unrelated?
0: No, I think that's perfect. And I'm going to hit a couple points here of the things that you said. And my parents are some of the most beautiful people I've ever met. They definitely live by that. We just need enough to get by, which has been kind of a barrier and a block for me that I'm working through right now because massive abundance just means we can't help one person I, I want to go to mission trips and help people that are really struggling. And having abundance is just a way I can pour into it. But my parents raised me to say, yes, sir. Thank you. Please open the door for people, hold the door for a lady, help people up, say hello. I just flew back from Tampa yesterday. And as I walked to the airport, all the custodians, I I just said a nice thing to them. Somebody took a stand for me and I don't have a clue. They might be the happiest person in the world, but I'm not looking down on anybody, but I just see people that keep their head down and nobody talks to them and stuff. And I just feel a, a direct pull towards people to just say, Hey, I love your shoes. And they smile. And that fills my soul doing little kind acts like that with genuine, no expectation at all back is, is really what just, which helps me grow. And I think that's what builds my resilient mindset. So those times when I'm down too, I'm like, Hey, there's other people down there. People stand up. We can all get through this stuff. But yeah, I, I did a lot of damage to my body, but I didn't look at it as while wow, there's people out there that don't even have this ability that are struggling and all they want is health. I never thought of that. Absolutely not. Never did. Now that I know you absolutely think about that. But yeah, there was a period where I didn't sleep for three or four days. One day, 13 pills of ecstasy, did a ball of cocaine, bunch of acid and some much other stuff. And I sat there and I was just like, I'm really freaking tough to kill. <laughs> That was my thought. I was just like, wow. And now I'm just like, I need to use that and harness that because I do have a power, but I need to pour that into other people to say, you know what? There's so much more. There's people that wish they had what you had. And you said, hey, if you lost the limb, how would you do? I think about that all the time. If I lost the limb and how I would go through it, I'd be grateful. You know, I've never done it, so I can't say exactly, but I really think I'd be like, you know what? I've had had this for whatever. My grandmother, 96 years old pretty much blind, never complains about anything. And I'm just like, grandma, how are you doing? She's like, Oh, I can't really see, but I could see for 93 years. Some people never get to see. Right. So I think it's just a family thing that's just been passed on. Right. And it is, it's the people you're around. If you're around people that moan, complain, bitch about things all the time. Right. Even if you know, you're stacked up against things are stacked up against you and you just complain about them. It's going to be hard for, you know, the work, the universe and people to like just put their arms around you a lot. Right. But if you're like, you know what, I'm going through this and I'm struggling, but I want to get better and I want to help people and I want to inspire. You now, I'll wrap my arms around those people and freaking carry them up a mountain if they want to, whatever the heck we got to do. But I didn't mean to say help one person.
1: I know. I know what you're doing. I watch you. I know you're helping tons of people. It's just funny when people say that saying and I was like, why do we settle for that? Why is that?
0: I think it's a figure of speech. Yeah.
1: Cause everyone, I mean, everyone says it, it's the one thing, everything I listen to. Yeah. And I'm like, we need to shift that language because language is powerful too. You know, like
0: I commit to trying to never say that again. <laughs> Although,
1: I
2: think, you know, as I sit here and I envision this piece that, that creates power, right. Vulnerability, right. It's the willingness to stand up and admit all of the ways that you have made mistakes and all the things that you do that don't fit a particular mold or aren't perceived as perfect or the way that you should be. We sit and we have to sit there and, and we say it when we're being vulnerable, we say it with all of the judgments that we've placed on it, with all of the values that we've created around it, with all the stories we've written about it, you know, about ourselves, about being good people, bad people. And if you're a person who has had you know, I think now as all three of us have had, uh, where you flex that muscle of being vulnerable, of telling your story of standing up in front of a group, looking them in the eye and being like, guys, I did not live up to my word today. You know, I did not live up to the thing I said I was going to do, you know, or I did this thing in my past. And I see now that that is not who I want to be or how I want to stand for myself or for you. You know, we've had some practice doing It doesn't make it Always easy, but once you flex that muscle a bit, you do get a lot better at being in the vulnerable space of being honest um, or being in good communication with people. But the first time that you do it, man, that is brutal. It's brutal. And so I think there is some value in the courage that can come out of if everyone in this room judges me, but one person is changed, then at least there was a reason that I stood up here you know, there, at least there was somebody out. There's at least one person out there who's going to be here from here with me as I as I'm vulnerable in this moment. And typically, what happens is that everyone's with you, or a lot of people are with you.
1: Well, especially at a personal development event, that you're like you're a hero if you yeah. Yeah, especially
2: at a personal development event. But like even online, where you might collect like 85 percent haters, there's still going to be that 15 percent of people with like with with whom do identify with your story and are grateful that you were vulnerable and shared. You know, I think about people in my life. Um, you know, there's one person in my life who is non-gender conforming, um, is in his 80s, and has only told a very small amount of people in his personal life about it. And one of the people that that knew was much younger, and unbeknownst to all of us until years later was also non-gender conforming and finally like came, came to me and was like, this person in your life completely saved mine. It, you know, and to me that's worth everything. that's that's one person, but that one person's still here and that was worth everything. And like if if that older person in my life decided to share with the world, could they create more ripples? Sure, but is there does it is it valueless because it was shared once with one person? No and it will ripple out, it ripples out through me, who I am, through this person who is still here with us today and who they might become, you know, as time goes on. Like, I really think that there is something to be said for just having that thought in your head of this is worth it if there's one person, because it gives you the courage to stand up and just be vulnerable in different arenas. And then, and then you get to see what happens after you do and not be so scared of being slapped on the hand of like, bad, you shouldn't have said that you should have told everybody. And I think that the more that we experience having those moments of having that courage, then we get into the big place where we're
1: like, Yeah, we're gonna transform everybody's lives. And like, <laughs> you know, but like when you step more into what your purpose and vision is. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, my vision isn't to just do that, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and I think that I just like like for the people
2: who have it and are ready for the big to play big, like we're here, but for the people for whom it takes that courage just.
1: Well, the courage just to walk in the room. There's people who have gone to a ton of the events. I mean, you and I have done programs that are the same, not together. And Joe and I have done the same programs together. And there's people who, you know, like when I led them and stuff, when they would talk after at the breakdown, someone would say like, oh, well, they're quiet. And I'm like, "You, I know people who if they just got their body in the door and sat in the room and just listened and observed, they don't there, that was their huge Step was to just show up there, like you know, I'm. You know, my sister and I, and she's polar opposite. Like she doesn't love to talk to everyone, and I need to talk to everyone. So she, if, to get her in the place where people are gonna talk and talk about to each other and about <laughs> feelings, she would just be like, I'll just she, if we could get her in the room. That's win, win. Hands down, she won the Olympics. <laughs> like i you know, like there, there's everyone's everyone's flex is different, and everyone's like, you know, I uh, Joe, I what Laura and I do a lot together is all these different programs under our um, umbrella for it. And I have revolutionary resiliency. And so it has all these different, you know, teaching people to step into and stuff. And every different module and stuff isn't for each person. Some are going to be easier. If you told me to stand up and tell a room full of people, my deepest, darkest secrets, I easily would. But if you told me to do like love myself every step while I'm on a run, I'm like, oh, my <laughs> Well, then I'm going to take one step and then I'm going to sit and cry. Like, because when I run, I'm always like, you're so lucky to be running, which <laughs> like I try. But I'm just I go through how I used to be a runner in high school. Like, you know, it's just it's funny. So that flex for me. And it's obviously from my relationship with my health and my body and stuff like that. That's a harder flex for me. And it's not that some things are right or wrong or you're doing it right or wrong, which is why a huge part of this podcast and what I asked Laura for one of the in- intentions when we created it was that. There's so many coaches and people out there who are like, this is the only way And when you do this, it will release your trauma and it will do all that. And I was like, I don't agree with you. Every single person has to do what's right for them. And every person's going to find what's okay for them. And it's our place to love them and to support them as they choose what they need. And how you said, like, call up a friend, just be like, hey, can we just connect? And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to look anyway. It doesn't need to be pre-planned. It doesn't need to be like, oh, Joe, you're having a breakdown. Let me do this call, like follow this, the script or it's, it's just holding space and i think it's remarkable like what's possible when we go to that place and there's so many more i wouldn't mind always being the example and not seeing not seeing the people that shift from what i'm doing and hear from them 10 years from now i don't mind i don't need that i don't need instant like praise or whatever for what i'm doing because i believe in what i'm doing because i know it's what i needed and i didn't have and so that's the kind of person i am you're also both of you are also that kind of friend for me that holds me to my highest and my best uh, you know, version and, and myself and stuff. So I, I just think there's so much beauty in that and stepping into it. I also, I'm just super excited that you shared a bunch of it because I didn't, I didn't know that, it, you know, like as a friend, sometimes it's so funny when you go through such intense experiences with people that you forget to also like just catch up and be able to talk and just learn about people. So I, I appreciate you for coming on. I have one final question for this segment, and it would just be, if you could ask the listeners and Laura and I tomorrow to do one thing different, to do one thing tomorrow that would either you know support to your vision and your purpose or help us with our resiliency and, um, and being rad, what would that be? What could we all do tomorrow?
0: The one thing that you could do tomorrow, I think you should follow it up every single time you feel that pull, that thing, that thought you have, that repetitive dream you have, That vision maybe you see yourself as, or, hey, I want to do this, but I just don't know how. I'm not good enough. That one thing that continually comes up in your mind, you're supposed to do it. Whether you believe you can or not, be brave enough and take the step. It might take you a month. It might take you 10 years. I promise you, if you keep taking that step, that pull that you've had for probably a long, long time, you won't regret it.
1: Guess what? We did it, Joe. It's game time. (laughs) It's game time. It's game time. It's game time. Okay, it's a short, quick game, but it is to keep us in the element of the moment, the element of uh, play and and really just like reminding people the difference between childish and childlike. So we're just going to do something real quick. There's only two rules, which is to have fun. And then the other one is that there's not a rule. So you just have fun. I'm going to pick a color and then you're going to go find something that is that color. And then bring it back. You have 30 seconds, 30 seconds. The color is silver. Okay, don't show us yet. Laura, you go first. Laura's going to show hers. So what this is, is a little catnip filled fish with
2: silver and other colored little triangles on it. And it's sitting here on my desk, even though I don't have a cat anymore. I didn't get a pet until I was older. Um, and I got my my cat, my first cat, I got when I was like 20 I don't know, maybe like 24 years old. And I had him for 14 years and I still miss that cat. He ran away two weeks before I, like when I moved, when I left my Boston life and stepped into my brave new world, he got out of the house that I was temporarily staying in while I was waiting for my apartment and to a neighborhood he didn't know that was very wooded. And I just been missing him this, this, Christmas season for some reason I don't know he's just been on my mind my, my, my nephew even like drew a picture of my cat that he that hasn't been around for like over two years, and he's still and he was pretty little. my nephew was like only maybe four when that cat ran away, and he still has that connection with me and Prince the cat and so he drew me a princey cat and I loved that cat like he was like cat dog you know he didn't always act like a cat like he would respond to his name and he would do Things for treats, and he was just like, He would go. He would, if you put him on a leash, he'd still take a walk with you, or he'd just walk around by himself. It didn't matter. I don't know. He was just awesome. And I loved, I loved my princey cat. So I like never, I can't, I don't have the heart to throw the catnip toy away because I'm like, But it's princes.
1: No, keep it. All right, Joe, what do you have?
0: I thought it was a money clip, and it is not. It is a case to hold business cards. And I just grabbed it on my countertop here and it was under a pile of things. And then I opened it up and I have business cards in here and say Coach Joe on them. I thought that was kind of fitting for the situation.
1: That is. Play the game, Katie. What you got? I also want to say it's funny that you thought it was a money clip. And you mentioned earlier that your parents are just like how they live, like their mindset and their limitations. And the fact that it was a money clip, just making that callback. I have two of my Christmas ornaments. And they seemed perfect. They're not on the tree because I keep them on the desk to remind me what strength is. And that strength is not just emotional and mental. It also is for me to do physical things. And it seems perfect with two of my people that are very health and wellness minded. So it is my mini kettlebell and barbell that I have. Um, And then, you know, those naked men that, that Sherry and Ed had given me. This is their teardrop trailer that they leave the workout stuff for. And the men, uh, unfortunately, most of them have died due to a monster named Rebel. For the
2: listener that has confused here, Rebel is Katie's golden retriever. And these are all Christmas ornaments of like trailers and barbells and kettlebells and things. And so the naked men were figurines that were were destroyed by the dog. (laughs) So... Where can our listeners find you? Where where should they go if they want to work with you? What do you got got for us today?
0: I'm on Facebook. I pay more attention on Instagram. Um, I do have a link tree. So if you set up a time, want to even have just an open conversation, um, learn more about what I do in the health and wellness platform, more than happy to share any of that stuff. What's
2: your Instagram handle?
0: Joe.Fedig. J-O-E dot F-E-T-T-I-G.
2: So we're gonna round things out here with our final game called Get Outta Here. And the rules of Get Outta Here are we are going to share with our listeners where we are getting out of here to. But in the game, you have to get out, we're getting out of here to a make-believe, not real fantasy world from like books, movies, television, a childhood dream that you had, uh, comic book, whatever. It, but it's it just someplace that, that is in our imagination. So Joe, where are you getting out of here to?
0: Does it have to have a name for it? This, I was just like trying to picture and stuff. I was like, holy cow, where am I getting out to? And what I see is just a magical land where there is always sunshine, but there's tons of different tropical tree cover and there's waterfalls all around me. And I have hammocks all over in all of my favorite spots and different locations. So wherever I'm hiking and walking around to, I always have a hammock to lay in.
1: Katie, where are you getting out of here too? I want to go to Joe's place. <laughs> I want one of the hammocks. You want one of the
2: hammocks. I would like Joe's place to exist at Big Rock Candy Mountain. I don't know. why I have candy on the brain today. I just do. I just do. Like, well, you know what?
1: I was going to pick the movie Inside Out and pick Hanging Out with Mr. Bing Bong. You know, the cotton candy guy, the guy that looks like cotton candy. But then Joe really sold. Yeah, he really sold hammock land, like hammock world. I'm all in on that. I
2: am all in on that. I don't know why. Like, I, you know, like, oh, the buzzing of the Beast. And the lollipop trees and the soda water fountain, which is really weird because like I actually like I'm a health nut. I don't I'm like, I'll have two squares of dark chocolate today. And that is like enough sweetness. I'm a savory person. I like savory foods. But like, I don't know, for some reason, I just feel like that would look really cool. Like I want to see like a lollipop tree and a big rock candy mountain. That sounds fun. I want to go there and sit in a hammock and watch it all play out. So um, that's where I'm going.
0: Sweet. I was just like, I got to go there all alone. And now I got two of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us to spending time, being vulnerable,
1: sharing your story. Um, man, are we happy you're here? Uh, yes, yes. Love you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing everything with us and our listeners.
0: You're welcome. You're all blessed. You're all incredible.
1: Goodbye, listeners. Bye.
2: Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us that sweet five-star review. It helps people find us and makes our hearts ever so happy. You can follow me, Laura Ingles, at LJ Ingalls on Instagram and Twitter. And me, Katie Lasky at Katie Lovebaum
1: on Instagram.
2: Or follow the pod at Rad Resilient Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And check us out on the web at RadicalResiliencePodcast.com.
1: However you find us out there in this virtual world, know that we are so glad you're here. We love you and we'll see you next week.